What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Part 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Baller. Missing is my man, Stephen Malbin. He's in Korea right now. Um, J.R. Smith missed his flight. So I'm here solo dolo with the legend, Bubba Watson. What's up, Bubba? How you doing, man? How you doing, man? And uh, yeah, we got the legend here, man. Uh, was it about Liv? Like, break down Liv to me. Like, what made you want to go there from, from the tour and, you know... 50 years, 100 years of golf, PGA Tour. It's just, I, I just, I want to see an evolution. If it grows too fast, it might not be the evolution for everybody, right? And so when you think about live, um, think about the music, think about shorts, you think about people having fun. I mean, these are different people coming to the events. This is different. This is a different crowd. You know, you're talking about older generations, older people watching um, Golf Channel. Yeah. Now you're talking about the young kids watching. Started yeah. on YouTube. That's what kids are watching now. And that's what, that's what kids are seeing. You're seeing all these different posts, these fun posts, us smiling, laughing. It's easier to get behind a team. So you always pull for your team. No matter what the sport is, you know a team. You might not know the players, but I love the Yankees. I love the Lakers. You know that. And so that's what we're trying to create. So you're trying to create. I'm using my mind to create. Forget golf. I'm trying to create a business and a, and a new franchise and a new whole different era of golf over here. And then I'm trying to play as well. So that's what drove me. It's, it's using my, my mind for something better than just trying to make three footers all day and doing the same thing over and over. Now we're doing something that's, that's evolving. Every tournament is evolving because you're trying to grow your brand, grow your team behind the scenes. That's why the chain came out. That's why, <laughs> that's why you have to think. You have to think differently, right? You're going to try to draw the younger crowd. How do you do that? The team concept is awesome, but then there's ownership, right? Can you break that down a little bit? Like yeah, so, so, you know, I was blessed, very blessed to be part um, of the ownership. Um, so I own my team. Um, Live, the league owns a piece, big chunk of it. I own a small piece of it. And so I get to go out and try to um, come up with a team, right? Get the right people around me or the people that I want around me. I get the people behind the scenes that are doing the day-to-day -day operations, just like a big franchise would do in sports. Um, and then try to get the players that you want that gel together or very talented or gel together or know each other and want to spend time together. So that's the balance, right? It's the same thing with, um, you know, you think about all the trades and all the sports leagues in America, you know, people don't fit. They think somebody's going to fit and then they don't fit or they can get another piece over here. So at some point, live is new, but at some point we're going to have that behind the scenes, trading players or somebody that can do this or do that or bring something else to the table that, that we need for our team or, or whatever. So you're looking at, this is so new. This is like your golf game. This is so new that nobody sees what this can be. The people behind the scenes that understand it and what the league's trying to do, they see it. But it's going to be hard when I say, hey, man, I'm, I'm trading you. <laughs> It's going to be, you're going to be looking at a friend eye to eye. Right. Like, look, man, it's a business decision. Right. And so that's. So there's 48 players, right? 48. 48. And four on each team. Four on each team. And then I was hearing from some people last night that, like, if you're at the bottom three or the bottom four. Bottom four. And then pretty much you're you could out. be out. So, so you're out, but there's a way to get back in. So there's going to be a tournament at the end of the year. Three rounds. So, so many make, you know, let's say 80 guys, 20 make it to the second round. And then there's going to be guys that won a tournament in Asia or won some tournaments somewhere around the world can get into the second round automatically. Then there'll be like 80 to 60 guys there. 20 guys will make it. I think 20 guys make it to the final round. And out of those 20 or so, three guys make it back on to the league. So you could be one that falls out and play well. 
So that's, I mean, but you're, you're, you're fighting for your livelihood, right? Now, don't get me wrong. If you fall out, there's still the Asian, the Asian um, tour international series where they're putting money into and growing that bigger than it's ever been. Right. So there's other venues to play and do other things. So it's not like you just lose a job and you have to go find a job. I mean, you, you can still play on the- Oh yeah, you can jump on DP, right? Or whatever. Right, right, so there's other ways to play. And so that's why this merger with the PJ Tour is trying to get it where this is the elite and then there are other people play over here and then try to get back there. So yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could talk about it now. I, I'm, I'm kind of confused with the merger right now too as well. So like, is, is it, are you gonna play out PGA events now? It, are, are, like, I don't, I don't understand, like, how does that work out? Well, I mean, yeah, I, your guess is good as mine. <laughs> but, but the ultimate goal for me, the ultimate goal would be like, I've won Riviera three times, right? right? I've won Travelers three times. Right. Travelers means more to me than the win in Connecticut because that was my dad. My dad passed away right, bef- right after I won that, you know, a couple months after, but that was the one tournament he got to watch me win. So that tournament, that venue means different to me than just winning, right? It's, it's a whole family thing, dynamic. But you think about the towns that you've been impacted. Um, I love going to Detroit and helping that city grow back to where we know Detroit is where it was yeah, and where man. it should be. Being a small piece of that. So there's, there's certain tournaments you want to play in. So you hope the merger works out where I can play where I want to play, but then also fill in the gaps and play places where it means a lot to me and, and be a part of that city and part of that, that event that week. So, so hopefully well, that works out that way. But back to the team play, do you get to pick your force, like your four team or like, how does that work out? Yeah. So I, um, so like I went to Harold, Harold Varner and I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm thinking about going to live and I know you're, you're thinking about going to it. Um, what if we team up? And he said, he said, man, I'd love to be on your team. So we, we talked about that and then we, we signed, we pretty much signed together. Thomas Peters wanted in, um, but then you know, agent stuff and different things didn't work out. Then, um, so Gooch, Gooch, Taylor Gooch was already playing on a team, the Aces. And uh, when I joined on and he came to us because he knows Harold really well and wants to play with Harold. And so obviously Taylor is a phenomenal player. There's no team in the world that wouldn't want him. And luckily for me, I had Harold. And so who doesn't want to hang out with Harold, right? He's fun, energetic. Yeah, Yeah, just everything about him. So then Thomas, we had a player get hurt. And so we had to get a a person. And Thomas, that was another way for Thomas to get back in. They played college golf with Thomas. So they know Thomas. Uh, Harold played with Thomas when he won national championships at Riviera in college for Illinois. It was just a big circle. And Thomas, I knew Thomas, but I didn't know him as well as the other two did because they played with him in college. So it was just a family affair when we came together and what we're trying to do. And when you explain to them what we're trying to do as a team, the Range Goats, what we want to do, how do we want to grow the game of golf? We want to make it fun, energetic, not boring. We want to do chains. We want to do some crazy (laughs) things, right? We want to do things that aren't normal to golf. That's our whole motto. We want to play good golf, yes, but there's other elements to it, to what the branding should be and what our team should be about. Mm-hmm. Do you guys fly together on the same plane? Or you guys usually like meet up there? Or? We meet up there. Thomas is, lives in Belgium still. Um, I'm in Pensacola, Florida. Um, Taylor is in Oklahoma City. And then um, Harold's in Charlotte. So we meet up there. It, it, you know, if, if we're traveling back to back, you know, we'll hop on a plane together and we'll all travel together if we can, if it's doable. But like then, to Singapore when you guys went out there. Like, when we go there, um, again, we tell everybody what we're doing and we, we go commercial and just try to team up everybody going together there. From Spain to London, we had a jet, um, used a jet there, a private jet. So, we, you know, we try to do it as when we can, when it makes sense. Explain, like, the difference between when you were on tour, you know what I'm saying, compared to live. 
the lifestyle, don't you think it's a little more, more, more lavish, a little more fun, more laid back? Like it's more, it's, well, first of all, let's go to the first part. When I was on tour, it's your ego is in the way, right? It's only me. Forget everybody else. Yeah. The, hundred, the other 155 players, I could care less about, right? <laughs> I'm trying to beat them all, right? They're trying to beat me. They're trying to take my sponsors. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's just the business. That's just life. Right. And it's not that we don't have friends and we support everybody. Right. It's just at the end of the day, you're trying to win. But here, being a, a captain slash owner, I'm trying to support everybody. I'm trying to play good golf, but I'm also trying to support everybody, make everybody happy, make everybody feel good. So they play great golf, right? That's how you win championships. You get that special ring. That's one part of it. But then the atmosphere, going out there with the music, everybody's cutting up, everybody's grinding, but but it's just, it just, you feel more relaxed. Like you said, you can untuck your shirt, you can wear shorts, you can have it more baggy, you can put your hat to the side, you can put it behind you, you can wear change, have tattoos, you don't, it's just, it's just a different atmosphere. It's totally, it's not this country club stuffy feel. A lot of the clubs now, going back to yours, a lot of the clubs now, I grew up public golf course, cheap golf course, 20 bucks to play the golf course, 18 holes with a cart. And um, now the high-end clubs, the new high-end clubs that are being built, they want you to be in shorts, untucked, backwards hat, because they yeah. want you to be relaxed when you get there. Not these clubs that we've known over the last hundred years that right. have a, have a model, yeah. but now the new ones are, it's you, right? It's, it's, no, it's for sure. that's what it should be. That's how it should be. When yeah. you go and you're paying a membership, you should do what you want. I mean, just even, I'm a member of a country club and sometimes they'll say things to me like, hey son, and I'm like, bro, I'm almost 51, bro. I'm definitely 10 years older than you. Stop this, <laughs> don't call me son, bro. You know, and I think that again, I'm blessed with Asian genetics, so I look a little younger, but you know, I'm like, man, no, you know, I, I just sit there and kind of with live, right? There's this, there's this misconception, and even I got caught up in it because I didn't understand, right? And you see the fans and the trolls online, and like 54 holes, 54 holes. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, three days is easier than four, whatever. And then the Masters just happened. And you look at the leaderboard, and you're like, hey, you see Patrick Reed, you see Phil's up there, Kepka, you see everyone on there. I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if that 54 holes is really, you know, a factor. How, how do you feel about that? Is, is that even a thing at all, do you think? If you sit back and look at it, it's not a thing because... You can't break away. I mean, we've watched Tiger for years, right? Rory for years, break away from the field four days, right? He's that good where he can break away and have a, right. have a big victory. But in three days, you're more bunched up, right? So it's a more challenge of the three days because it's a sprint instead of the longevity. But no, the, I mean, when a good player's a good player, it doesn't matter, 72 holes, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's easy. It's 54, 72, 100, whatever, right? Like, it's, you're a good player. You're going to be up there. You know what? You're right. When I was at Zozo, and Ricky's my friend, man. I, Ricky, I love you, bro. But I was like, yo, Fowler's got this. And he was up like 11 to 12. So I was like, yo, you got this. And like you said, and it just thought about it right now. It just clicked on the last day on Sunday. Keegan Bradley came in and snuck in and won. And it was like, damn, in a way, like, you know, I mean, I guess it kind of goes both ways. But yeah, I mean, you know, you could keep sharp for three, keep sharp for four. I mean, it's right. I was talking about more fatigue wise. Do you feel like three's easier? Do you think four it's? No, I mean, you're still practicing. You're still getting a tournament. You're still getting the tournament early. You're still walking the courses. Um, you know, you get an extra practice round. So you're still playing the same amount of days. Um, the mental grind is still there. Yeah, you're going to be more mentally tired after four, but I mean, it doesn't, if you're concentrating and doing everything you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be tired after three and you're going to be tired after four. I suffered pretty bad anxiety for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I did drugs when I was in college and whatever else. And I said, that's what it is. It must have been. But I think I had so much childhood trauma. 
I didn't come from much either. And mm. um, I was the first Asian to get a Division One football scholarship, you know, playing basketball too. So I played two sports in college and doing all this other shit. I wasn't very good compared to everything. I thought I was great, but then you get every, you know, every time you get higher college pro, you're like, damn, man, I ain't built for this. And my genetics as an Asian dude, I just wasn't, you know what I mean? I'm not 6'5". One day I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, man, something's going on, right? People didn't know what panic attacks were back in like 1991. Right. You know, and all that. So then they started getting worse in like 96. I was like, all right, let me take, you know. Then I went to the doctor a lot. When I started, uh, I was in the music business. I finally got health insurance and I started going to the doctor. And finally this one doctor, I'll never forget, Dr. Gold in Beverly Hills. He banned me from going there anymore. I was like, maybe I have AIDS. And he goes, you don't have AIDS. You don't have this. You have nothing. He's like, you need to figure, you know, and they didn't know how to treat it either. Yeah. yeah. So I thought maybe I'll get healthy, drink more water, whatever, boom. And then I realized it really was a mental thing. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to get over them, but I still get them. Like, Mm -hmm. like I heard that you have had issues with anxiety before. Oh, 100%. And and it kind of goes back to your story. Your childhood, my dad was in Vietnam and my parents were phenomenal. They loved me. They did everything I could ever, I couldn't, I wouldn't ever change my parents. They were great. But you know, my dad in Vietnam learned traits, right? And people shooting at him, you know, all those things, right? Right. He had shrapnel. He had a scar here from shrapnel, grenade blowing up. And he had a piece in his back, still in his back till he passed away. We took it out when he passed away. So we have it. A lot of things I learned from him or I picked up from him, right? Learned a lot of things from mom, good and bad. Growing from Baghdad, Florida. My name's Bubba. And, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Like, you're already behind the eight ball in a couple of areas, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Especially yeah. this day and age in the world. Played golf. I didn't dip. I didn't drink. Never done drugs. Never been drunk. You know, all these things. Don't hunt. Just started fishing because my son wants to, but I don't like guns. You know, there's just, so Bubba doesn't fit in the South. Yeah, not at that, all. That, I, none I, of it I'm fits. sorry. I, the, yeah, right. the stereotypes. But none of, this, none of this fits, right? So now you're talking about making it to the tour and everybody telling you how great you are and all these things, you hit it farther than everybody. You have a pink driver. and Now, you know, 5,000 fans, 50,000 fans, 100,000 fans watching you and you're getting, and I hate to say it, but the world judges you, right? Fairly or not fairly, it doesn't matter. They judge you. And, and, and if they're not judging, you believe they are. So for me, I didn't want the cameras around me. I didn't want people around me. I just wanted to play golf. That's all I did. Right. I just want to play golf for a living so I can pay my bills have my beautiful wife and all these things. And that's all I cared about. Then when the media start coming around you and then media changes your words and and do this and do that. And I'm like, so then it just kept eating me alive. And then the world puts on, you got to make the Ryder Cup. The world puts on, you got to be top 10 in the world or number one in the world, or you got to win tournaments. You got to do this. You got to do that because golf was my life. Right. And I let golf be my life. So when I'm guessing 07, I wrote a book about it, but in 07 was my first panic attack. I was in, I was in LA at Riviera. And man, I, man, I was hurting. I was like, and I was just like, I couldn't, I was just like, and I was in the hotel room and my wife was like, what's wrong with you? I, was like, I just, I don't feel right. I feel like I'm about to die. And she was like, what? And I was like, I, I don't know. So I went to the hospital. That was my first one. Um, years later, I uh, won the masters, probably around 13. So probably around 10 is where I had my, my second one. Had some stuff with my dad, his cancer. My, we thought my wife had a, um, cancer of the brain right here, pituitary gland. So just a lot of things happened in my life. And then when I won the masters, started building again, cause I want to make the, I want to make the Olympic team. I want to make the Ryder cup team. So that was my biggest. I mean, I went down to 160. Last time I checked my weight was 162 pounds. And the doctor, I will never forget it. Dr. Ara, I love him um, out of Orlando. He's 
a great man. He looked at me and he said, you've got nothing wrong with you. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and I said, I said, I'm 162. Like you can't be a hundred, you can't go from 200, 195, somewhere in that area to yeah. 162 without having something wrong with you. I'm eating, I'm doing everything, but it, you're, you're, you're inside, you're, you're dying, right? Because right. you're, you're letting your mind, you're letting all these things that you think these people, these people don't care about me. Like at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know what? They're not my close friends. They're not the people I should be listening to. They're not the, and, and not, nothing against those people. I'm just saying, that's not who I should be talking to. It should be my close, my wife first. Right. And so when I wrote my book in, during the pandemic, that was the, the, the thing that I learned coming out of my, in, in 17, I came out of it, started gaining weight again, started loving life again, started, and, and I've always trusted the Bible, always trusted in God, but I just, doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means I have issues just like everybody else. But that's, so that's what I started getting, reading more and focusing more, but communicating with my wife, the first time, like telling her the honest truth who Bubba is. I fall short in this area. People scare me. Crowds scare me. Darkness scares me. Enclosed rooms scare me. This scares me. Interviews scare me because I'm worried about people saying, twisting my words. And so I just started telling her. I mean, I'm bawling, right? This was the day that it, I fell to my knees. I'm 162. So that was the last. And it's going to happen again, like you said. There's going to be a time. There's going to be something in my life that's going to cause me to do it. But as long as we have the right people, the right ways to fix it, the ways to deal with it. Hopefully I'm on the right path. But yeah, I mean, 17 was my lowest moment. I didn't, I mean, I thought, I basically looked up and said, Lord, take me. Oh man. Not because I, not because I wanted to die, but no, because, no, for sure. because I didn't want to go through it anymore. Yeah. My wife has to see this. My, my two adopted kids have to see this. And then right, right at that moment, right when it, in my head, it came out, I was like, get up. If you have five minutes to live, go love on her. Yeah. Go love on those kids. If you have 10 minutes, Use it for the right reasons. Have you ever had it like before a tee shot and been like, all right, snap out of it. What you're like, what do you do? Like, I've, I've never had it. It's, it's, it's not inside the ropes. It's always worldly things eating away at me, if that makes sense. Right. Everybody has different triggers, but luckily for me, and I will always luckily for me, I didn't, you know, I didn't turn to gambling, drugs, alcohol, or women. I didn't, I didn't do all that. I, it just was eating me alive. Luckily, I mean, that's, you don't, no, want that's any, you don't want any of it. But fortunately for me, that's the route I went, um, which is great for me. But, but it, was, it was, I mean, I was losing weight and I'm like, I'm eating. I'm doing protein shakes and I'm just still losing weight. It was crazy. I mean, I just lost 50 pounds in the last year. I was like 211 during the pandemic. I was a fat piece of shit. And my wife was talking shit. She's like, yo, man, can you get a six pack? That's like my dream. Get a six pack. That's, I was like, hold on, just relax. And the funny thing is I, I was playing golf more. And I remember like walking. I was like. I'm walking in the damn car. I mean, I'm going taking a golf cart, you know, but I feel better now. Right. And I was at Bel Air Country Club a month ago, hole 15, and a lot going through my mind. And I hit a, a tee shot. And right then and there, I was like, hey, I'm having a heart attack. Right after the shot. Mm. My boy's like, yo, man, they're talking to the foursome. I'm about to call 911 and I have no signal on the phone. Mm. My heart rate's going probably, and I'm joking, if you know, like athletes, whatever, it was going maybe 250, 300 beats per minute. It was mm -hmm. going that fast. Right. And now I'm like, all right, fuck it. Just, I'm going to pass out. Then I realized that stress was obviously a lot that it came to it. Mm -hmm. And like, yo, you want to finish the round? I was like, of course I want to finish the round. Finally got a signal. I called my coach. I'm like, he's like, man, get the fuck off that golf course, bro. Fuck, golf will always be there for you. Mm -hmm. He's like, golf ain't going nowhere. He's right. tripping. 
my golf coach who's been on this show, he played uh, professional golf for, for I think like 11 years or something or more. Um, only reason I'm bringing it up right now is because he has a driver that he will never get rid of. It got, you know, Larry David, the actor? Mm -hmm. Larry David has one too. He coaches Larry David, coaches a lot of celebrities. He will not get rid of this driver. Somehow, some way it broke. So it took him like almost a year to find it again. It is a pink ping from Bubba Watson driver. It's like, I remember one time I was like, let me just use your driver. Fuck you, you can't use my driver. He'll let me drive his car, anything else, whatever. I can slap it. Just that driver is just funny. But he said that to me and he was like, golf will always be there for you. I don't know, for some reason, I just wanted to impress people who have been playing for a long time, not look like a hack or whatever, and, you know, not care. And once I let all that shit out, I was like, man, fuck this. Let me just go have fun, man. You know, and just, yeah. that, was, that was something that was on my mind. It's been a long day, time for a long drink. The finished drink. Proud sponsor of the Par 3 podcast, Long Drink. Get yours at longdrink.com. Cheers. I didn't know you won the Masters, man. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I barely know what Augusta's like and everything. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, winning, I mean, you've what, two majors? Yeah, two two Masters, yeah. Yeah, two Masters, man. Can you break that down to me, man? Like yeah, so, like? I mean, you know, you think you're this gift to the world, right? You, you make the tour in 06 and you think you should be winning, you, you know, all this stuff, right? You know, all the big names. You, I'm going to copy them, I'm going to do this. You don't win for f five years. 2010, I win and... um. Then I went twice in 2011, and then 12 hits, and I'm playing good, right? I'm just, I mean, you're, the years have been just, now we're just getting, we're rolling, right? So I went in LA, um, but during this process, we're trying to adopt. Um, been turned down a few times to adopt. Um, we'd show up in a, um, Bay Hill, Orlando, which is basically a month before the Masters. Get this phone call about adoption. This kid's in South Florida, Caleb my son now. And um, I said, man, I can't really, I'm, I'm the hottest thing on tour, right? I just, <laughs> I just won. I just did this. How do you pull out of Bay Hill? Because we've already failed three times with adoption. I don't want to pull out and let the world know, the media know, and then somehow this doesn't work and, you know, whatever, right? It just a lot of things going through my head. A tiger wins, you know, he always wins Bay Hill. I finished fourth the Monday after we pick up Caleb. Um, and I was like, I was like, I want to. I don't want to practice golf. I just want to sit here with this baby boy, right? Yeah. And he's a month old, a, a month and a day old when we we picked him up. The lawyer really hands him over like this. My wife was like, "No, she played professional basketball, so she played in the WBA." So she was like, "No, no, no, you're you're playing too good. He's not moving. He's just gonna sit right yeah. there, right? I'll send you pictures. We'll video. We got Facetime. <laughs> you need to do your stuff. Go early to Augusta and practice. So now when I get to Augusta, um, I'm playing well. Um, a lot of changes in my life, positive changes in my life with the sun. And um, so I'm getting videos. And so when I'm doing interviews, they're like, Bubba, you're playing the best right now. You've won, you finished second, you finished fourth. You know, you're, you're the hottest, one of the hottest players on tour right now. So, yeah, but look at my son, man. I, I mean, this is awesome. I adopted my son and I can't wait to get home. I can't wait for this tournament so I can be home with him. And you know, so it was always, it was deflecting. I wasn't trying to deflect, I was being honest, but it was def deflecting golf. And the, and the pressures of life and golf. And so, I mean, I just kept playing good. And I was already playing good. And so I've known the course. I've played the course. And so, man, it just, we kept going. Just no big deal. They were talking about Phil. Phil was winning. Phil was in like the, he was in the group behind me or something. Me and Louie were three shots back starting the day. So I wasn't even, I was like, man, just have a high finish, get home. Get, get on the jet and go home, right? Get back down to Florida and, and see the kid. And, um, 
Louis makes a double eagle on two, and then Phil makes a triple, I think, on like four, the par three. Tries it at right-handed or something. And um, and so now I'm, I'm like, man, I have a chance to, you know, get a top 10 in a Masters, top five in a Masters. So I was never thinking about winning because Louis, when he made the double eagle playing with me, he got four shots ahead of me. So I wasn't thinking about it. And then three putted 12, and my caddy, Teddy, who's now with Scotty Scheffler, said, look, man, you, this is still, this is the Masters. You still have a chance here. You never know what's going to happen. I said, yeah, birdied four holes in a row. 13, 14, 15, 16. And I remember walking to 17T. I'll never forget it. I looked at Teddy. He's got the bag and we're, we're walking around the trees up to the tee box. And I said, we have a chance to win. We're winning. We're winning the Masters. We have a chance to win. He goes, don't think about that right now. Just focus on this. Wait, so is this on Saturday or Sunday? This is on Sunday. Oh, shit. So I birdied okay. four holes in a row. So I'm wow. tied for the lead on, on Sunday. Wow. And I look at him. First time ever, it comes out of my mouth. I said, man, we have a chance to win. We're winning the Masters right now. And he goes, don't, don't think about it. Like, just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, keep doing yeah. that. I sliced it so far to the left. Oh, because now man. I'm sitting here going, now I'm nervous. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, ah! And so I hit it so far. Luckily, I can hit some crazy shots. So I hit the shot up over these trees that you shouldn't be able to hit. So I hit the shot over the trees onto the green and hit this putt way too hard because I'm scared to death now, now because I'm thinking about it, right? So I hit this putt way too hard. It hits the back of the hole, bounces up, still goes two feet away, but I make it, so I'm tied. And 18 is not built for me, so I told him, I said, we're going to live and die by the driver. I said, that's what I'm known for. We're hitting driver. And he goes, okay. Wow. And I smoked it down the middle. We tied. Go to the, now we play off hole, do the same thing. We tie, then go to 18, hit the massive hook out of the trees. <laughs> and, and here we are talking to you, you know? So when you think about it, where I grew up, where I was, I mean, I bawled. As soon as I, I putted out, I bawled. I mean, I was the ugliest crier you've ever seen. <laughs> um, I cry a lot, by the way, you know? Oh, if man. we had kept talking about our problems, I would probably would have cried with you. But, but um, I was crying, hugging my mom, because I just became a dad, and my dad's not there to celebrate. And then, you know, Ricky Fowler, Aaron Baddeley, Ben Crane, and their family members that are there came down to 10 Green. That doesn't happen. You don't, you know, all this stuff written about Bubba Watson, about how bad Bubba Watson is, nobody likes Bubba Watson, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? You got three professional golfers coming down, walking. They don't have a cart. They have to walk amongst the fans yeah. to watch me play. Not that they weren't happy for Louie if he wins, but I, they were following me. And for me to win and them to be there and support me and show the world that they, they like Bubba Watson. Right. You know, the, the, the emotions just hit me, like all this bad stuff that's been written or going to be written, all these things. Like, that's what I have to fall back on is that these three guys love me enough to do this. Because I'll be honest, there's only a handful of people I'd go do that for, right? Ricky's one of them. Right. Aaron Badley's one of them. Ben Crane's one of them. Luckily, they were there for me. But, yeah, I mean, it was it – was, so going back to winning the Masters, it, there's so much more to it than just winning the greatest golf tournament ever produced. There's just so much more – things and so I think that's where my mind races like that I, I have a lot of mental issues when it comes to racing I, I I can go off on a tangent real fast I'll be thinking about winning and then I'll be like oh what are we having for dinner you know like I just <laughs> just how it works and so as you know panic attacks that's what panic but that's weird that's, because I'm like that right I said that like holy shit man we got this award show damn my son's won the spelling bee it's not whatever Hey, man, you want to go see the Equalizer? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I, I can I do want to see the new Equalizer, though. Equalizer 3, is it good? It was really good, man. Man, was, he's so good, by I the way. I took my fans. I, I did a special thing where I took, like, 20 fans. Maybe next time I'll see. be in there, 21 fans. <laughs> <laughs> we took it. It was, it was, it was good. I, I love that movie. And, I, and Denzel gave my first job in Hollywood. Dude, he's... So that was, like, a 
full circle thing. That's what it's, that. You don't want to meet your the, your heroes, but man, I'd like to meet that guy, man. He's a he's a funny dude, man. He's he's a funny dude. Back to Masters, <laughs> I got to ask you. So after you won, did you spend the night in Augusta, or did you fly back to see the kid? So there's things that happen, right? Obviously, interviews and all this stuff, right? You sit down in big lights like this, like we're doing now with the fire going. Yeah. Then you have there's a a dinner. Members only dinner, right? Like okay. the members of the club, the ones that are there. Yeah. Everybody's in a green jacket. And now I'm in a green jacket. Right. But the three guys that I talked about, Ricky Fowler, Ben Crane, Aaron Badley, they came up there. They sat in this room. We had food and had to do more interviews afterwards, had to do some, you know, had to call people, had to do some things. You're hyped, right? You're hyped as can be, right? Like you, you're, you're just so many things going on. So I don't go to sleep, but I, um, we, the plane, I had to do everything. I didn't leave there till 1.30 in the morning, maybe close to two, I landed in Orlando at three, just after three in the morning. And I remember getting there, my wife, she's half asleep, right? She wakes up because I, I get there, but we're in Orlando because we're renting a house there because my son couldn't leave the state of Florida. We were living in Arizona at the time and all these things, but so we leased the house for a little bit so we could stay there. Six o'clock was his, his bottle time. Right. So I'm, you know, I, I mean, I, my pillow, I hit the pillow maybe four o'clock, but when that alarm goes off, dude, it was like I was full of energy. I got to hold my son, feed yeah. the bottle, you know, do all those things, wrap him up in the green jacket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was, but it was back to being a father, right? Like, no, was, for sure. Like nobody cares about you on a Monday. That was, yeah. that was the last week you won. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We got a new tournament this week. People care, man, but not No, I mean, you, you, right. The right people care. But when it comes to the Golf Channel, they're selling the next event. Right? No, They're for selling sure. who's going to sure. win this week. Masters was last week. So me holding the baby, me holding Caleb, um, at six in the morning when the alarm went off to feed him. I mean, I was there. It was, it was amazing. But it, yeah, I didn't get home till, I didn't touch down till three, just after three o'clock. I mean, I remember those nights with all three of my kids, you know, um, and the thing is, people don't understand. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan. I don't care if you're whatever. If you're an involved father, nothing else matters. Mm -mm. Like, cause they depend on you. You know what I mean? Like you brought them into this world. So, you know, that's the most important thing. Right. Um, switching gears. You're with, uh, you're sponsored by Jordan brand, right? Yeah, wear the shoes, love them, yeah, and the glove, yeah. So how, how to, like, explain that. Like, are you, were you, like, are you a sneaker fan at all, or are you? Yeah, I, so it was funny. Back in the day, when I was in middle school and high school, Jordans used to come out on a Tuesday, and the mall would open at 10. And my mom, she put that credit card debt. She had a lot of credit <laughs> card debt. I paid for that. I paid that off when I, when I turned pro, but credit card debt, um, She'd go to the store and she'd bring them to me at school because she loved her son, right? Like she, should she have done it? Probably not, you know, but she loved her son. That was her way of loving her son, right? She did things that, that way for me and my sister. And so, yeah, so on Tuesdays, that's when the Jordans would come out back in the day. Now they come out different times. But um, so, yeah, back in the day when they, the new ones came out, I had them. Uh, man, I just. Um, to put some context, if you guys haven't watched every episode, you know, um, I started my jewelry business from selling my sneaker collection. Um, I had a world record, uh, just over $3 million selling my sneaker collection. I've been a big sneaker collector forever. I was a big part of the community, big part of starting the sneaker community. It's gone to a whole shit show now. I've met MJ a few times, good friends with his sons, and, and I've had, you know, funny times and not so funny times with, with, with MJ. Like, you know, he's yelled at me. I've talked about that before. You know, the, the, the sneakers, it, it, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have the sneaker thing, right? right. Um, do you have your own shoe with Jordan Brand or do you? Do I you wish. <laughs> Come on, um, Mike. 
<laughs> but you know, it's funny. It's 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 one of those things where I mean, you grow up. I mean, it's Michael Jordan, first of all, right? Come on, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's Michael Jordan, and so me and my family used to watch WGN back home. That was that was the Chicago channel. And that's where they played on. So we sit down and watch. And so when I got to meet him, I mean, it's Michael Jordan, right? His yeah. hand's massive. His hand reached all the way up my yeah. I saw arm. his grips on his. Oh, I was like, what the? Hell? I've never seen no grips that were like. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's just his his mitts, right? And so. Met him th- because his love for golf. Met him at Ryder Cups, you know, Presidents Cups. He's been around different events, and so I've met him a few times. And he's always said, "Man, why don't you wear my shoes? Why don't you wear my shoes?" I said, "You got, you got to pay." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so it was our joke, right? That's just what I always said to him. But I mean, let's be honest, man. If Michael Jordan said, "Wear my shoes," I'm gonna wear his shoes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so finally, it worked out. And I just called him. I said, "Hey, man, I'm out of my shoe deal," and I said, "I would love to wear your shoes, man." And he goes, "Well, tell me what you want." And I said, whatever I tell you, you're going to come back different. And he, he says, I know. So the first thing he said to me, I just said, yes. I didn't care. It didn't care. It didn't matter if it was free. It didn't matter if I had to pay. And so I just told him, yes. Wait, no, hold on. No, you, you had to pay. Come on, man. But, but I'm yeah. just saying, though, it didn't matter what he responded to me. Right. Long as it was, I would like for you to wear my shoes. No, that's amazing. And so then I said, hey, I don't have a glove deal either. So can you make me custom gloves? I know you don't sell them, but can you make them? And they were like, yeah, man, it's easy. And so, so I wear the glove and I wear the shoes. What shoes do you usually wear on the tour? On, on, on you know, on, on. And I wear whatever's whatever they send me, but I really like the the ones with spikes. You know, they don't really they don't sell those yet. You know, they make the teaching shoes with just like the yeah. nubs. But I have the ones with spikes. I call them sport bottoms. Right. Like I wanted the the spikes on there because I get on my toes, and so I wanted to be able to grab with the spike. So that's what I really like playing in. Um, you know, especially with the cool colors and all that stuff. But yeah, then, no, then, then sure. the high tops come out, and then. The, that's a whole different level, right? You show up at the club. You show up at a country club with the high tops. There's certain high tops that we all know and love that's made the name, right? And so then, then it's... I mean, shout out to Eastside Golf. They sent me some, you know, but when the high top came out, I had to share my opinion. I was like, bro, I'm not wearing no damn high tops. And by the way, Michelle Wee is a dear friend. She's been on the show. She dropped some. But to play golf, I just felt that that was weird, right? I only play in the ones if I play in Jordans, but I do like wearing spikes. But if I'm playing something serious or like I'm, when I say serious, I'm trying to, I don't know, like, you know, feel, I do like spikes. I yeah. wear the tiger shoes. Any funny stories with MJ? You play any funny rounds with them? What, what is, hey, hold on a second. What is the, um, what shoe is that that I wore yesterday? Is that a six? That's a six. Have you seen the sixes? Of course. Yeah. With the, with the, the little thing you put the shoe, you can put the shoelaces in. So yeah. that's what I have those. That's what I wore yesterday. That's what I'll be wearing all week today. Or okay. Week, this week is the sixes. I couldn't remember if it was the sixes. That's why I didn't say it. Will they at least give you a custom color at least or? I don't, man, listen, I'm not picky, man. Whatever you, <laughs> whatever you. But it, it's, it, it's funny because um, at the house, they told me, they said, you're going to hate Jordan after a year. I said, why? And they said, because you're going to get so many shoes and I get, so then, you know, I get like, these just came out of the box, right? Uh, they made, they made twos, right? And so, but they just send me everything, right? And I'm not, I'm not complaining about it, but my wife was like, where are we going to put these shoes? Yeah. Because they just keep coming. Gosh, funny story with MJ. Like playing around, anything cool? I, I've, you know what? It's, truthfully, I've never played around golf with them. I've never, I've never, never played with them. I've talked to them, hung out with them, um, been to his course. He's played with his buddies, and I've been playing over here. So I'll drive over and say hey to him and talk to him and then just leave and go play my round. But we've never paired up. We've never – I heard he's phenomenal at short game, especially at his course. Yeah. I, I heard I his heard short game is, like, ridiculous. So he might not do these things, but when it comes to short game, watch out. That's where he gets you. 
Damn, but I've never played. I thought them. that you guys had definitely played, you know, at least several rounds. That's crazy. But just like you said earlier, though, man, kids, you know, his life is one thing and my life is up, up, you know, he's down South Florida. I'm up North Florida. And with the young kids, 11 and eight year old, you know, I'm trying to make ends meet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're winning. They're winning all the battles right now. Yeah. No, I mean, bro, I got 11, a nine and a six. And I got so, yeah. my, I got my kids started late. Like, you know, like my nieces and nephews are 24, 23, 22. Mm. It's like. Damn, man. But I, I feel great about where I'm at in life with like, I'm glad this is what it is. No, nah, for sure. They're, I mean, they're awesome. They, so I just haven't, with the kids where they're at, I just haven't been able to hang out and go down there to the club and, and hang at his place um, and do things with him. But I mean, I want to. I just, it just hadn't worked out. So don't take offense by this. First time I ever heard your name, think about what I do for a living, you know. So first time I ever heard your name, um, I got my first RM05, uh, I think it was Lotus Edition, like probably 10, 11 years ago. And I, I had seen uh, you know, Richard Mill watches here and there, and it was real big in Asia. And I remember going to uh, Singapore F1 a long time ago, mm -hmm. and um, buddy of mine's a huge K-pop star in Korea, like massive, like bigger than Bieber, bigger than anybody, he was huge. And I was like, what? I was like, bro, I don't know about this watch, man. He's like, oh, Jackie Chan this. I know Jackie Chan, I know his son, JC. And I was like, all right, cool. They're in the Ferrari paddock. and, and met the family and was like, all right, whatever, dude, I'm not, I don't believe in the hype, whatever. And then they're like, yo, this is Bubba Watson. I was like, that's that dude, the, the, the four by four race, uh, the, the dude who drives all the trucks and stuff. Like, nah, man, that's a motorcycle dude. I was like, nah, man, he's a golfer. And I was like, what? And that was the first time I heard your name. And obviously that's like, you know, the watch, how'd that, how'd that start out with you, you know, and the watch? Man, you talking about dreams come true. Um, 2010, uh, get a phone call. You know, I've always talked to my manager. I got on the tour in 2006. So 2010, I'm like bugging my manager. Like, hey man, I need a watch deal. Like, come on, man. Like, let me get a watch deal. I, I mean, I don't have a watch. I don't wear watches because I don't want to pay for them. I'm cheap. <laughs> but like. Uh, <laughs> We're so, too much alike, man. Go yeah, ahead. So, I, you know, I just didn't want to do it. And so um, get this random phone call. My manager in Scottsdale, Arizona gets a phone call and he calls me like right away. Say, hey man, have you ever heard of Richard Mill? I was like, I don't know that dude. And he goes, okay, we'll look it up. And I, so I looked up Richard Mill and I said, watches? And he said, yep. And he said, they just called me. And I said, what do they, they call you about? He said, well, they're half a million dollar watches. Would you wear one? A yes. He didn't even get it out. I said, yes. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, like, it's an easy answer, right? Why even ask me? Like, so he goes, well, let me tell you about it. He goes, they weigh like, they weigh like the one you're going to be wearing is going to weigh like two quarters. Yeah. Put two quarters in your hand. That's what's going to be. And I said, I'm in. Like, it's easy. Like, I'm trying to make money. I'm, you know, I'm in. And then, but really what come to find out is went over there and met him. Richard, I mean, a little short, bald head man, you know. Yeah. Awesome dude. Awesome family. His, his daughter now is kind of really running it. You are. You're like family. And the reason why they called us or called me is because they heard my story. No lessons. Come from nothing. Mom did every my mom and dad did everything they could to afford whatever now it was a lot of debt and i paid it all off when i turned pro but where we come from and where we are it was kind of like his story right it's a he started in the watch business he kind of made watches did these things but then he started having dreams of creating and doing his own thing because he learned it as he went on i said this is our guy bubba watson crying after a win in 2010 um dad's about to pass away never had a lesson um, self-taught these are the guys this is the, this is who I want to wear my watch I don't want some high-end dude wearing my watch I want a dude from from scratch I want to be with him in during his story and during his journey 
And that's how, that's how they called me. They just randomly said, who in America plays golf that can wear a watch that will fit our brand? And that's what we are. And we've been, been with them since 2010. I've been with them. And, and that's early. Yes, yeah, way before. I, mean, I was, they I was number get, three. They was, didn't get crazy hyped until like five, six years ago where it started getting crazy, crazy. Crazy. You know, you know I, I, I've held a one of three, like this Dragon Turbion watch. And, you know, I'm not a real big horology guy. I am to a certain extent. I mm. do know movements to a certain thing. But then I was like, I don't know, man. Look at Patek. Look at Vacheron. You know, it's like 1800s, history. 1992 and i was like i, I was kind of bashing it low-key and then i made some money on them and i was like okay but then i studied the movement i started I was like, no this is actually an excellent timepiece as far as what it is right um but yeah you had like the most famous you know richard mills so that's crazy right and it's it's like we've come full circle and there's so many different things so many parallels between us that i didn't even know about until my producer told me it's like funny he's like looking at the computer and he's like hey man you guys are a lot alike and i was like what the fuck and i was like what do you mean and that's my next thing. Um, Perfect. Let's talk jewelry. Let's talk jewelry <laughs> for a little bit. Sorry. You know what? Let's talk jewelry a little bit. Hold on. Let, 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 look at this. Hold on. This thing is amazing. This is, this is, this is so awesome, man. It's, you retired, um, so I couldn't get you to do it. You know? Yeah, man. You know, um, I'm, I'm making a comeback. Shh. Yeah, I'm making the Live Championship rings. Um, I don't even know how the... the I, I Wait, wish I, hold on. Time out. You're making those? Yeah, man. I'm making the live championship rings. So now I got to win. Yeah. <laughs> Forget all the other reasons. Now I got to win. Yeah, man. It's, it's been funny. And I've made some championship rings at the World Series of Poker. I've done a lot of other things. Wow. I actually wish I would focus more on that. But I kind of get down to where um, ever since I started getting more uh, involved in fatherhood and being a parent. Mm. And then golf took a lot of time out of it. I didn't know how much time it was going to take away. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make six pieces a year. So what I did was um, I did this thing on my website where you could book a, you know, all right, $250,000 minimum, boom. And I was like, put that price up high so no one books me. 11 people on the first day. And I was like, fuck, this, is, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like, so I didn't want to work, you know, so I refunded a few people's money, started doing some things, was doing like bigger things with like Murakami, working with cause, huge artists and trying to do museum things and was always trying to push the game. I always wanted to change the game of jewelry, custom ice. Like I didn't want to just be on rappers anymore. I didn't care about being mentioned. I wanted to go and do country, like working with Casey Musgraves and people like that. I wanted to do everything outside of rap now. I wanted to go and expand. I know that sounds dumb, but as far as in that world, I had won Jewel of the Year in 2017, and then I won it back-to-back -back in 18. I was like, I'm bored, man. And the pandemic hit. So I kind of just do a few pieces a year, and then last year, about 13 months now, I haven't made a piece of jewelry. And I, haven't, I was going to do a tour this year, and then some weird things happened. Live it hit up the company. And I was like, fuck this, let's do it. You know what I mean? And I have some clients I want to get back. So, I mean, by the time this airs, I think people will start knowing that I'm making a comeback now. And we got to get you some ice, man. I'm in. I'm ready. <laughs> I've got a lot of ideas. I got no money, but I got a lot of ideas, though. <laughs> nah, I'll hook you up for the family price, man. You nah, wanna, thank you. I think earlier you were talking about a belt buckle, man. We got to do that. We gotta, exactly, belt buckle. Yeah, I need man. a cross, too. Cross? Yeah. That's easy, man. I do that in my sleep. Like, but, I need, but I need pink diamonds, though. Pink time is easy. We can't, we can't do that normal stuff. We got nah, pink is, is beautiful. And the funny thing was people don't realize, um, let's say, for instance, my earrings, mm -hmm. right? Like my earrings, probably like, depending on the quality, they could be anywhere between sixty dollars to $100,000 each earring, right? We get the pink diamonds, and it gets to the millions. 
Like, cause it's we're going to get a family discount on that. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. So pink, pink's dope. Um, I've decided I don't want pink anymore. <laughs> well, pink is the most expensive naturally that they're like, it's crazy. There was a pink diamond that sold. It was tiny. Like I don't, JLo had a pink ring that was like 4 million. And then when I saw the size of it, I was like, cause I don't really, it's not a common thing to get. Right. But pink sapphires are the same price as the diamonds and they're beautiful and they shine real hard and they're natural. It looks sick. I don't know if you know who Tyler the Creator is. He's a famous rapper, but- Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, so Tyler, I've been working with him since he was a kid, right? Since 20, he does Pink Sapphires and Kid Cudi, people like that. I, I, I do anything, man. I'll do whatever for you, man. I'm, you know, I'm, awesome. It's, it's funny now that all the people that want to chain now, they're like, fuck's wrong with you, bro? Like, all you're doing is working with golfer people. Like, that's messed up. And I'm like, well, I love golf, so you know, I want to get in with the community. They're like, yeah, man, we're the ones who supported you. I'm like, yeah, man, but you guys are easy. You guys are late. I'm chilling, man. I'm trying to do anything. Anyone golf? I'm in. I don't care if you're T-150, you live. You know, I'm just, I'm just working with anyone. But um, no, nah, we got to do a, we got to do some personal stuff. We got to do a range. We got to do that better right there. We need, a, we need, we need your touch on it. Yeah. You got to do something. That's but with the discount again, just make sure. <laughs> just keep throwing that discount in there so it gets in his head. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask you being, um, you know, so still new to golf, what tips you got for me for tomorrow for, for Rich Harvest Farms, like playing this program tomorrow? What, 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 what tips can you give me? You got to remember, the, the, you've already said it. Have fun and enjoy it, right? You got to enjoy who you're with. Um, you're going to meet probably some new people, right, that you never met. Um, so you got to have fun with it. But right. you got to remember also, there's not one shot you're going to hit that we haven't seen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No matter, you swing and miss, we've seen it. I was just in, a, I was just in a, um, a little charity event we put on back home. It's called the Angie and Bubba Watson Parent Junior or Adult Junior. Right. So you play with your kids, right? And so, I mean, you're, the kids are going to swing and miss, right? These young kids, there's five-year-olds right. playing, right? And they're missing. So we've seen it all. You can shank it. You can make a hole-in-one. We've seen it. Yeah. So there's nothing. You're not going to impress like, I'm not going to shoot a basketball and impress Michael Jordan, right? right. I'm not going to write a song that's going to impress musicians. I'm not going to make jewelry that impresses you, right? Right, right, right So right. That, there's, you just got to have fun with it. You just got to enjoy your time with that person and, and whoever it is you're playing with and just and realize that you're, you're getting to play a game outdoors and love it. Well, that's the best advice I could ever get. I just, uh, no, I, I do put too much pressure on myself. We all do. You know, the first time I ever playing in the gallery, <laughs> I was like, they messed my name at the tee box up. They're like, Ben Baylor. And I'm like, and I'm like, man, I don't know why, but I focus on this one lady, like 17 feet to the left. And I was like, Robin hitting it left, bro. If I hit her, man, fuck, man. And I was like, you know what? I didn't. It went 200 feet in the air straight and 170 yards. And I was like, fuck on TV, man. I can't believe this. Boy, I was like, hey, man, center of the fairway. Think positive, man. Short memory. And I'm like, yeah, man, now on a fucking par four, I got fucking 250 yards, you know what I mean? I got to hit a goddamn driver off the deck to get to the fucking hole. He's like, stop thinking about GIRs, man, have fun. But yeah, that was it. Um, dude, that was amazing. That's probably one of the best interviews that we've gotten to do. And, and, and I feel like now, like, I feel a different connection. And, and... look, man, we got to, we got to, I don't even wear chains. I used to wear these gigantic chains all the time. We got to, Got to do these, man. Thank you, Bubba. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having Big me. Big time, boss. Yeah, man. Bubba Watson, guys. Par three, another one. Uh, tune in for the next one. Um, yeah, live golf, man. I love it. We're here. <laughs>